Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. Oh god, no. Oh god. <laughs> Don't envy me, envy me, guys. Why? I've got Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. <laughs> From 2014. It's rated 2.8 on 2.6 on IMDb. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll trade you for the ring versus the crush. <laughs> All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Why are you not Well, good movies. Hello and welcome to Well, Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I am your host, David Osger, and I am joined as ever by my co-host. He is our referee of chaos, just waiting to say, let them fight. It's Craig McDonald. You what, mate? I was going to do a like red corner, blue corner sort of situation, but oh, what you're afraid to fight me? Bring it, bring it. <laughs> Craig doesn't want to go with boxing analogies. He's just going with the th- the thug life. No, no, I I just want to beat up David. I think it's been a long time coming at this point. Let's just get the aggression out of the way now. Just <laughs> yeah, when people see verses in the title, they're like, oh, finally, and they're like, oh, damn. We're either going to fight or. F- it's one of the two. <laughs> oh, God. So, Craig, uh, we are coming off the Endgame special just last week. How are you feeling after that? It was a wild ride. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for the beautiful presents they got me. And obviously, congratulations to insert name of winner here. <laughs> Excellent team. I love their team name of insert funny team name here. I'm not editing that. <laughs> it's like uh, that Poochie scene in The Simpsons. is like, I have to go now. <laughs> My planet needs me. Craig slides away. Joining us for the chaos today is uh, two previous guests and good friends of ours. The first is a filmmaker and writer. He is the king of hot takes over on Fresh Take and Twitter. It is Niall Glynn. Hello, Niall. Hello. I didn't know I was a I was a hot taker. I didn't know that was my <laughs> my new title. You you were writing about cats and your love of that cinema experience. How can you not be? <laughs> yeah, I suppose I did write about that, and then I was kind of rude about one division. So the <laughs> the kids don't like me. Uh, and and coming off the Mandalorian as well, it was just like I was just reading. Oh it, yeah, like, geez. I was like, I, I burn bridges, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was the hot take I knew from you. I, I I've just been sat here like, God damn it. <laughs> well let's get it all out this is the fighting special yeah, exactly good to have you all again Niall and uh, joining us as well is our favourite history buff and lover of all things strange and macabre it is Die Hill hello Die hello I was uh, on mute for a second there so Die how have you been like I said before it feels like several eons and lockdowns ago that we spoke it feels like forever um, I'm very well I saw uh, The Dig movie oh. the other week which as an archaeologist it's all right you know quite yeah. good you know. <laughs> disappointing that they cut out the dig 
This, well, <laughs> see, the reason she they want to dig in a specific hill is in the movie. She says, oh, I've just got a feeling about it. You know, I think this one's going to be where to go. In reality, she wanted them to dig on that hill because it's where she'd seen a ghost horse. Oh. And was like, I saw a ghost there. Dig it. And that's how they discovered the Sutton Hoo burial. So they left out the more interesting element of... I think they didn't want her to look like she's insane. It's not like that um, horse, that like white horse is painted into the grass. It's not like that, is it? It's like, we should dig this. Like, what makes you say that? (laughs) There's a horse. (laughs) I think we should dig over there. What makes you say that? There's a giant red X. Yes. I think that could be it. (laughs) Lots of interesting topics today. Anyway, guys, uh, but we have, you know, more pressing matters to talk about today in terms of the mysteries of who's going to win in certain situations so shall we hear what's coming up in today's episode guys yeah yes in this week's episode we are talking about versus movies so that's films that have versus or v in the title so we thought it'd be fun if we picked a bunch of versus movies out of a hat to see what films we get for us all to talk about But first of all, we wanted to talk about what our thoughts are on the genre as a whole and the idea of pitting two characters against each other, especially when it comes to kaiju films. So, what does Niall think about kaiju films and Godzilla? Yeah, I well, I love the first Godzilla as like a a movie with actual like themes and drama. Godzilla is not really an entity in it so much as a symbol which I like. It's very much about the humans. But then I also do love the the later films where it's just two men in rubbish suits throwing cardboard rocks at each other. They have their own unique charms. And even in the original Godzilla vs. Kong, it's like actually quite disinterested in that fight for whatever reason. It only comes into the actual plot in the last 15 minutes of a 90-minute movie. And now I feel like the advertising for this new one is like, yeah, they're finally going to do it. And I was like, oh, I've seen this. And it was, again, like Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik. It was 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the whole idea of like, oh, they're going to have to combine together to fight off something. You know, they'll they'll unite at the end and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be some rubbish draw. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll kiss. That'd be unique. <laughs> <laughs> I did love your Twitter video that like, God's uh, Kong jumping off the boat and you edited oh, it yeah. to the Ratatouille trailer. That was amazing. <laughs> Go check that out, guys. It's, it's yeah, follow brilliant. me on Twitter, listeners. <laughs> At Niall the Glen. Dai, uh, what, what is your feeling on this? Like I said, when, we meant, when I mentioned it to you, obviously, like you said, you thought of like films which are more, you know, Kramer versus Kramer, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. You know, what, what do you think of when you think of like versus movies? Do you think it's an actual genre itself or is it just a kind of marketing tool? Well, I mean... As you're talking about it now, because from our historical perspective, um, <laughs> it kind of goes back. You go way back. The Iliad is basically a versus story because mm. that's Achilles versus Hector. And the whole thing is this, this one build up to this one mega fight between these two guys. And a lot of like medieval literature, basically, you know, the Arthurian stuff, a lot of that comes down to sort of you have these knights who are like, you know, they set up and then they just make them fight. Yeah. So like Lancelot and Gawain, like there's a big fight at the end where it's like, you know, a whole thing has been building up. So that instinct to be like, there's this guy's cool. This guy's also really cool. Let's make them fight. Yeah. is kind of the stupidest, oldest instinct we have as storytellers yeah. is um, to just get like two action figures and bash them against each other. But I think um, 
Liliad might have been a bit better than Kong versus Godzilla. But in terms of modern ones, I've never seen a versus movie, so I'm very excited to discover how good slash dreadful they may or may not be. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the interesting thing about them is, and especially because you've been on the podcast before talking about horror it's very much again of that time of people in weird suits and you know the theatrics of everything we we have different uh, levels of experience with these kind of films but we thought it'd be fun if uh, we watched through some and saw you know how well they stand up do they you know make for a good versus movie and uh, we thought the best way to do that with so many of them out there is just you know luck of the draw so we're going to pick some uh, films from a uh, cup I'm just going to do a random draw for each person. You get two films each, and then it's up to you which film you talk about from those two films. And uh, yeah, how are we all feeling? Very excited. I just think you're going to rig the system to benefit you, David. <laughs> it's a random draw. How can I rig? Well, apart from if I have just like they're all the same or something. You have to hold up the cup and show us the answer. So in here is a mix of, you know, like say kaiju films of like Japanese uh, typical versus, you know, monster films. Most of them, I think from what I've seen, are all pretty much available for like rental streaming and, you know, there's a different mix of some horror stuff, some sci-fi, some of the trashy kind of stuff. So we'll see what comes out. Uh, who wants to go first? I'm happy to go first. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, Niall, your first one. <laughs> <laughs> so, your first film. Okay. You have Gaimira versus Gaios. From 1967. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to write that down. <laughs> oh, Gamera's like the big turtle, isn't it? Yeah, the flying turtle, which like breathes fire. <laughs> oh, that, you know what? I'm very happy with that. Right, and let's go for Craig, isn't it? Uh, yeah, sure. So, Craig, you have... <laughs> I was like, I knew Craig was going to get this one. I was like, should I leave this in? I was like, no, I'm going to leave it in because Craig might have it. So I'll say the the original name first. Oh dear, no! Sudaku versus Kayaku, which is basically the ring versus the grudge, which is a Japanese <laughs> horror film. You um, prick! <laughs> I, I how 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 will those two things fight? I'm really curious. I really it's, want to hear back on this one. Yeah, it's like just two like creepy ghost girls basically fighting just it out. I think. The grudge pushing the TV over while the ring's trying to come out. <laughs> all I can say, all I can say is I swear to God the other one better be good because like <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to choose between two bad options. Especially if it means I have to watch. Ho- I hate horror. Right, so I'll go for die. Oh, it's a long one. So, uh, this <laughs> you have Godzilla versus Mega Guris, I think it's said, uh, which is from 2000. Uh, so it's one of the newer Japanese uh, kaiju films. In Japanese, it's uh, Godzilla Tai Mega Girasu G Shometsu Sakusen. And America just went, no, nah, screw that. Godzilla versus uh, Mega Gears. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from the year 2000. It must be good then. <laughs> right, let's see what I what I get. Should be interesting. He's going to get like Elmo versus Big Bird now. Yeah. Like a... <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, God. 
<laughs> don't envy me envy me guys why i've got mega shark versus mecha shark <laughs> <laughs> from 2014 it's rated 2.8 on or 2.6 on imdb jesus christ <laughs> i'll trade you for the ring versus the <laughs> oh I, I was like i'll put this in there somebody that poor soul will get it it was me of course let's just go for our second draw now so go for nile your second film is Oh, <laughs> stick into the theme. You have Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. What? <laughs> Was that like his cousin? <laughs> <laughs> he has a son as well, actually. That, that's, a, that's a fun one. But in Japanese, it's Godzilla versus Super Su Godzilla. So, you know. Oh, what year is that from? That is from 1994. So you, oh. got, some, you got some nice different eras by there. The 60s and the 90s. Right. Craig's second one. Let's see if uh, <laughs> see if he can redeem himself. So, Craig... Oh, okay. So, Craig, you have King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, the original. Yeah, uh, 1963. So, Kingu Kongu Tai Gojira. Gee, I wonder which of the two films I'm going to talk about. <laughs> right, and Dai, what is your second? Oh, I, I'm psychic. I was like, he's had like a kaiju and I was like, I wonder if he's going to get this. And you did. You've got Freddy versus Jason. Oh, oh that I... That is a good time movie for me. I love that movie. <laughs> so you could stick to horror or you could... Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't call it horror. <laughs> it was one of the ones I was secretly hoping to have, but oh well. You had uh, the Japanese equivalent. <laughs> Which is a hundred times worse, right? <laughs> I've never seen any of the Nightmare, the Freddy Krueger movie. So is this a good introduction to the character of Freddy Krueger for me? Or am I going to be completely baffled? I don't think you'll be baffled, but I think it's probably like the stupidest one. No, <laughs> actually, I'd need to I'd need to watch them again to decide that. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's Robert England really vamping it up. You can't go wrong. Right, let's see what the final one is for myself. Hopefully, I can redeem myself from uh, the shark film. Okay, I have a Godzilla one. So it is from nineteen ninety five. And it's Godzilla versus Destroyer. Godzilla versus Destutoria in Japanese. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we look forward to uh, hearing all of your thoughts, guys, as we uh, pit these films against each other and see if they live up to the versus, you know, tropes and legacy. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see what we all think in a matter of uh, seconds. Hello, welcome back. So what has been just a few seconds for those at home has been uh, days for uh, us and our guests as we have gone off and checked out all our versus movies. So let's get down to business, guys. In the red corner, we have the Barn Breaker. He's been uh, fighting with some pigs already during the day. It's Craig McDonald. Craig, which film have you chosen to go with after the draw? 
So I had a wonderful choice of the original King Kong uh, versus Godzilla, or a film I thought I would never watch in my life, which was uh, Sadako versus Kayako, also known as, I mean, as we would call it, the creatures from the ring and the grudge fight. The film that I chose was Sadako versus Kayako. (laughs) Should be interesting going into the world of horror there. So... We also have the Irish tyrant. Will he have the luck of the Irish today? It's a subtle burn there. <laughs> Niall, which film did you choose for your uh, versus movie? I, you know I was born in Newport. I just love how the <laughs> Irish part. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, you, 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 you give me grief about that uh, Disney Channel movie, okay? <laughs> that, that's, that's very true. So I went with Gamera versus Gaios. Awesome. So we're going to have some Godzilla light action in there with uh, Gamera. And we also have uh, in the lilac corner, all uh, chilled and zen, uh, just like, as I called him before this episode, Moonwind from uh, Soul, uh, Disney's Soul. Uh, we have Die Hill. Dai, what did you go with? I went with uh, less chilled Godzilla versus Magagirus. Megagirus, the most confusingly named <laughs> So again, we're getting the good old Godzilla. He's, show, he's making an appearance in a very, very kaiju, very Japanese sort of movie. Can't wait to hear your opinions on that one. And uh, yes, for myself, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even think I mentioned a colour for... So Niall, you can have the green corner, of course. Uh, I'll be in the yellow corner. And uh, I went for the of course shark movie which is mega shark versus mecha shark uh, which i chose uh, over uh, my godzilla film which is uh, yeah so godzilla versus destroyer i went it went for mega shark versus mecha shark right so well we'll see how today's episode goes in terms of our versus movies how they all pan out so first of all we are going to go over to of course uh, the classic kaiju movies where it all stemmed from in japan with dai who's going to talk about godzilla versus mega Giras. dai how did you find your film it was boring <laughs> for a monster that's sort of known for either being this great figure of terror all this grand sort of camp spectacular. This movie was, it kind of seemed to be trying to take itself seriously and just failed. It kind of tried to do sort of, try to be as genuine, like serious, this is a scary monster thing, but then also play up with this sort of, this is a versus movie with big monsters punching each other. And it kind of failed at all of it. So I feel as though in the whole canon, of Godzilla movies, we probably managed to pick the worst one. Oh dear! <laughs> and this was the dub you said that you watched. Was it was it in English, like an American sort of dub, or was it? Yeah, it was dubbed in English, which is you know was fine and well done. It has really very little plot to speak of, and what plot it does have, by the end it turns out made no sense at all. Um, the plot is that they want that Godzilla is just sort of out and about. And so they've got a team together who want to make a weapon that can kill him. And so they've come up with a, it's a satellite that fires a black hole and traps him in a black hole, which sounds okay. amazing, but is very, very boring. A little test of the black hole sends, creates a wormhole that nobody notices. And through it comes a tiny dragonfly monster 
and that gradually turns into uh, Megagirus. But then they do the black hole thing later and no more monsters come through. So why the monster came through that one time makes no sense. And is the plot meant to be sort of, you know how the original Godzilla is that is a big metaphor for the horrors of nuclear devastation and things. So you think, oh, this movie, maybe this is going to be a metaphor for like the idea that they've gone too far in creating a weapon. You know, they've created a weapon and there's a moment in it that looks almost like they fired in their own nuclear bomb and destroyed their own town sort of thing. And it's it's nearly kind of compelling and striking, this idea that they've, you know, created this black hole weapon that's worse than anything that, that Godzilla could have done. But that's not the plot. And at the end, they use it and it saves the day and they trap Godzilla in a black hole. The whole thing is focused on this weapon that is kind of irrelevant to the plot because then the plot is really that Godzilla and this giant dragonfly are just gradually building up to a fight, really for no reason whatsoever. They just turn up and have a, and have a punch up. But that is the best part of the movie. So as we go into how fun it is seeing giant monsters fighting, like having Godzilla just get like punched in the face by a giant dragonfly <laughs> is weirdly amazing. That's why I was interested in with this one, because this is like 2000, isn't it? So like you said, where's the original Godzilla is about, yeah, me- like you said, metaphors for nuclear warfare, etc. I know that throughout all of these films where I've been looking into it recently, because I've gone back to the, the old movies, they always want these kaiju films to be about something or some metaphor for something. And so, for example, I think there was one, I can't remember the exact name of it now, but there's one which is kind of like a gas kind of monster. And that's like, they were like, oh, yeah, Japan has got a pollution problem at the moment. So that was meant to reflect that. So, like you said, I maybe they did try to reflect something. But like you said, it just didn't amount to much. Or... Yeah, I mean, basically, there's no real human characters in this movie. Mm. Um, they're all just arbitrarily turning up and joining up with this gang to make a black hole. So there's no, and even when the monsters do fight, you feel like it would be improved if the characters were somehow engaged with the fight, if they're like hiding or commenting on it or something. Mm. Um, or say, you know, they need to escape in time. So Godzilla's like, you know, protecting them or anything. Mm. But as it is, it's just completely silent. It's just music and these two things punching each other. And so, yeah, it doesn't have that kind of, well, one, the plot, as I say, is completely irrelevant and makes no sense. Um, and the, there's no human story. It's, there's no case of a character trying to like develop or achieve anything. It's just, um, which means the whole thing ends up, you've got sort of, you know, an hour of build up of seeing these monsters and what they're going on about. And there's a few like smart scenes and things where you see all these dragonflies and um, someone climbs on Godzilla at one point, which is quite fun. Um but it's all irrelevant and just building up to them punching each other, which is amazing. Having Godzilla like bite off the stinger of a giant dragonfly is awesome. But uh, the surrounding that is just nothing at all. It's weird as well, because why I was interested with that era again, like I've been going through it and, you know, only in like the, the beginning because they've got all these different eras of, you know, the Godzilla sort of franchise and obviously when you get to the stage at which you're at, where especially during the 90s, etc., it was kind of like Space Godzilla and Megagirus and like I uh, got given as well, like Destroyer and all these like crazy creatures. And especially now in the newer Godzilla films, they don't so much treat him as 
a villain. It's kind of like they're just reacting to his presence and then he goes up against some other animal. So I was wondering if it was the same here in that it's like he's been around for so long and if they go in with the canon of like, yeah, he's been in like six, seven films before this, is it that they're like, yeah, you know, Godzilla's our friend, Godzilla's here. But then, like you said, they, they're trying to trap him in a black hole. So obviously that's not the case. So it's just kind of hilarious that after like seven, eight films, they would still be like, we're still trying to deal with Godzilla. We're still here trying to like stop him. Especially after killing him in the first film. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. It became a series. That's what I thought when I did watch Godzilla Raids again. I was just like, I'm really interested to see how he comes back from a skeleton. And there's just literally just that scene where they're like, is this the same Godzilla? No, it's another one. Oh, okay. That's just that over with then. <laughs> just literally, there's just a scene where the scientist just goes, we knew another Godzilla would appear again. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's some Palpatine stuff. Hang on, <laughs> yeah. Godzilla is a species. Yeah, exactly. I was what the hell? Like, what? Okay. Well, that seems to happen at the end of this one. Because they do successfully trap Godzilla in a black hole. But then there's this little like bit stuck on the end where someone's like, hmm, there's also some strange seismic activity under the ocean. Probably Godzilla again. <laughs> You're like, why did you do this whole black hole thing if he's just going to come back again? Is um, it just like Kenny from South Park? You'll kill him, but he just randomly turns up ready for the next film and nobody knows how you explain it. Yeah, or it's a rubbish black hole. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just yeah. bad at making black holes. When you were describing the plot, though, I thought they would learn that trying to trap Godzilla in the black hole was a mistake because the creature they let in to the universe, you know, Godzilla had to defeat. But it just seems like they really have it out for poor Godzilla. Like, you can't win. Yeah, exactly. It's so stupid that, yeah, the weapon to, to beat Godzilla is what brings the, mon- the main monster in. and they But the heroes never realised that because there was a tiny boy who snuck into the military test of the mini black hole and nobody noticed and then he kind of snuck back later and stole the egg from this giant dragonfly that came through and then put it in the sewers in tokyo so no one noticed so you see that explains everything everything makes sense now maybe it's meant to be a satire of the prison system how it doesn't really work i don't know <laughs> it's either that it's either that or just a or just a grand message of just yet again kids are ruining the world there does seem to be a, th- a theme of children just running around in these disaster films and kaiju films, etc. Where you're like, what are you doing there? And especially in my film, there's just an hilarious, like, bad example of this. But, oh, uh, just wait till you get to my series. Oh, God. Oh, hell. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I, weirdly, I, when I just searched up the film, it actually says Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, despite featuring the same Godzilla suit that was used in its immediate predecessor, Godzilla 2000, the film ignores the events of the previous installment as well as every other entry in the franchise apart from the original 1954 film Godzilla. Yeah, it starts with a really long-winded narration that explains the plot of the first movie. And then another one, I think. I'm not I'm sure what it's talking about the second one. It says that they say that new, Godzilla turned up to get nuclear power first mm. and then they tried plasma power and he came back again to get that. So now they've banned both. So the plot doesn't actually revolve around nuclear power. It revolves around that it, at the very end, it turns out these scientists had a secret test to do plasma power. Right. I wasn't sure what that if there's like two movies they've referenced or if they've just invented this completely unnecessary plasma thing in the middle that has no relevance. So yeah, I don't really question why he's coming back either. Um, not until the very end when after he's beaten Megagirus, he then waddles off and then starts smashing up like a science lab. And they're like, oh... They'd mm. secretly have plasma in there. 
Bloody hell, scientists. Poor Godzilla's just the world's biggest junkie. He just wanders <laughs> everywhere trying to get his fix. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They've got this, like, giant creature that's just walking around and like they put him in a black hole and maybe it's just because i recently you know wonder visions on and everything like that but we were saying before that the creature came through the black hole so that already is like a sign of like bad things are on the other side but i just imagine in like godzilla there like monica rambo just like through this black hole and being duplicated into more godzillas or something like that like i was like is it like the 2009 star trek where like a new generation of godzillas are gonna come out on the other side or something i, I couldn't help but imagine like a planet hulk kind of situation where he becomes king of an alien planet you know that'd be a cool movie maybe it's happened yeah where did godzilla go just seeing um just his rubber body, like just floating into some dimension somewhere. I just, I just like Niall's idea of like a Planet Hulk thing because I'm pretty sure somebody would call it God of the Zillas. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Di, what did you think of the then versus aspect of it? Was it just two people in a bunch of rubber suits? Has it evolved since 1954 into 2000? Well, you know what? That's the best part of the movie is when they're fighting because that's the part where there's actually there's almost a plot. There's kind of cause and effect and character stuff going on because it's, you know, throughout the kind of throughout the setup, you've been, they've been setting up what Magagiris can kind of do. So it can kind of flap its rings really quickly and it's got a stinger in it and it sort of sucks nuclear power as well. So he kind of stabs Godzilla and sucks all of his, his energy out. So he's all, you know, tired and sad because in the way that you can do that with, you know, um, cause and effect with the idea of, you know, Megaerus is too quick for Godzilla, so he goes, "Oh, I can't catch you!" Mm. And then he sort of, by the end, he kind of figures it out and tricks him and gets it, sort of thing. And so it worked as a mini plot in its own right, which is actually really fun. Um, and uh, you know, seeing the characters going through it and stuff, and then having Godzilla win at the end. Um, so that's the most fun part of the movie. Um, yeah. It's just that the rest of the movie has no real relationship to that central fight. Uh, we'll go on to my choice there next, uh, which is encompassing the, the fantastic world of shark movies. Uh, so we go from uh, Japan over to Australia, uh, even though the US Navy is heavily involved in this. Uh, obviously, it's one of those films which has you know quite a heavy sort of New Zealand, Australian cast. Uh, it's obviously a part of that big franchise of different shark movies this one specifically is more mega shark versus something so they have i think about four or five movies and it's against mega shark versus like colossus which is basically just a giant robot um i think there's like crocosaurus a giant squid all that kind of stuff uh, but this one is mega shark versus mecha shark which should actually be called mecha sharks um uh, because there is two um but yeah, this uh, was such a bizarre and uh, ludicrous film, but you kind of don't expect anything other than that, uh, especially just from looking at the poster or trailers. Um, it's exactly what is on the tin, and it's kind of hard film to rate in a way or judge because it just is what it is. It's kind of one of those just, you know, TV movies, you know, direct-to-DVD kind of just, they're like... We know this is dumb and we know it's stupid and that's what this is all about. And you're just like, yeah, okay, you know, as long as you're on board with that. I think 
there is obviously the enjoyment factor out of the whole this is low budget this is like incredibly stupid and campy and that works for like a lot of it bizarrely but then there's other parts you know I, I can't say that there's any like glaring plot holes or like lack of character development because they do make some effort in some places which is better than some Hollywood movies it's like watching like a bad student film in some essences where you're watching something and you're just like you're like oh that's funny you can see what that is you can see that they didn't film this in the ocean it's clearly in a swimming pool and that kind of stuff so yeah it's it's very much just kind of you're on along for the ride of just how how bad it is but you know the performances and stuff aren't actually that bad if you haven't guessed already you know the mega shark is a megalodon uh, so i'm kind of seeing this as maybe inspiration for the meg you know maybe uh, that isn't yeah. the selling point for me really. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... i just find it interesting how with these godzilla films now we're getting godzilla versus kong and king of the monsters they're like drawing from these kind of really cheap you know funny rubber suit films and it's kind of the same with this if the meg was to spawn into a franchise and they were to bring out meg versus mecha meg then everyone would be like oh yeah that was in uh, mega shark versus mecha shark it's you know you probably have a bunch of theory videos about it and you know where did this come from like you do with uh marvel and all that kind of stuff it's just the way there's like throughout the film it's like filled with loads of stock footage of like Sydney and, you know, bridges and like bays and like boats going in and out of bays. And it'll literally be a point in which they're like chasing the shark in their submarines and they're like, he's on his way to somewhere else. And then he'll just jump to like a stock footage of just like a city moving fast and then just go back to them for like no reason. It's just as if they were like, we needed something to splice this up a bit. Oh, we'll just put in some stock footage of like an Australian city. It's it's weird as well, like the the main characters in this film. So you have uh, Jack, who's this kind of like, you know, shark hunter or whatever. It's him and his wife, Rosie. You can tell from maybe previous films that they're kind of like this group that's been specialized and tasked with uh, tracking down megalodons at the beginning of the film. Uh, the entire reason the mega shark comes into it is because a boat in, I think, Cairo is literally just dragging in a giant iceberg because of the drought and just it breaks open and a shark comes out. And then get this. The shark hits the tugboat that brought in the, the, the iceberg all the way to Egypt where it decapitates the Sphinx. That... No, no lies. That's just exactly how it happens. And then we go to like our main characters. So we have Rosie, Jack. Uh, you get the idea that they're kind of experimenting with mecha sharks. So she's in this like smaller version, uh, which they're experimenting with. Uh, there's a really important subplot in this film, by the way. So the main plot is that they're uh, trying to find a way to deal with all these mega sharks. Uh, but there's a really important uh, subplot that Jack is giving up smoking. So remember that, guys. It's really important. Weirdly, Rosie pilots this, like, smaller mecha shark, and it's <laughs> it's got an AI kind of like Knight Rider. I can only explain describe it as Knight Rider in a shark. It's literally this guy who sounds like Knight Rider. Sounds like he would say, oh, well, I don't know, Daniel. It's like this Australian guy. Do you, do you mean Kit? Kit, that's it. Yeah, I was trying to think before. I was like, what's his name? But this one is called Nero. So, but it is basically, again, the, the kit of uh, mecha sharks and uh, it is all kind of like, oh, you know, the torpedoes are ready and all this kind of stuff. 
the the woman who pilots it, Rosie, has one of those typical kind of just glass lit up pieces of uh, plastic, which is all blue, which like does nothing. It's just there to kind of look sci-fi-ish. At one point, they introduced the admiral of this navy ship who's chasing the shark, and I honestly thought his name was Admiral Eagleburn, and I'm really disappointed it wasn't, because when they introduced him, you went, oh, Admiral Eagleburn? I was like, is he called Admiral Eagleburn? But then the more people talked in the film, I was like, oh, damn it, he's called Admiral Engelberg. <laughs> I was like, god damn it, why didn't you call him Eagleburn? Um, so... But we're talking about nuclear waste and everything like that. This film does have, you know, a bit of a a small touch of ethics in which they introduce Rosie and Jack to this, like, new mecha shark, which is, like, a much bigger version than what they've got. And he says, oh, does he use, like, nuclear power or is there uh, nuclear torpedoes in there? And he's like, no, we opted against that. And he's like, good, because I don't want any nuclear waste, like, dumping down into our ocean to, like, make things worse when this thing is going around polluting it. And, like, Rosie's just there, like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Don't listen to Mr. Eco Warrior and everything here. And I was just like, okay, this is kind of random, but I kind of respect you putting it in there. And then we just go from there just to them chasing the shark throughout the entire film, basically. It's just, like, a bunch of Navy ships with Mecha Shark in tow. And just Mega Shark is just doing the most bizarre things. So he's already batted away that tugboat into the middle of Egypt but that's just the beginning. He also goes to a oil rig in which he jumps out of the ocean. And at this point, we just see him jump out and then we just cut the clouds. <laughs> and then you just hear like a bunch of destruction. So they literally were like, we haven't got the we haven't got the budget for this. So they just cut to a bunch of fast moving clouds. And then you just go to a news reporter like, uh, 15 people are now missing from the oil rig disaster of uh, after the Megalodon has attacked. The shark attacking the oil rig is not the most bizarre thing in this film. We actually, a few times he's like body slammed essentially a few different Navy ships and we get like hilarious footage of just people like, it really makes you respect films like the Poseidon Adventure and like 2012 for like just at least they've got the budget to do these kind of things. The tip of the iceberg, you know, pun not intended for the iceberg that sh- showed up earlier in the film, is when literally we're like on a boat and they're like, uh, sir, this plane is having trouble like landing somewhere. And you're like, plane? What the hell? Well, we're on the ocean. What does a plane have to do with anything? And we go inside the plane and this pilot's like, I'm going to have to land her somewhere. Duh, 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 duh. And then literally the mecha shark comes along and they're like, there's a bogey above us. Like, oh no. And the shark is like right beneath it. And you're like, what? What's going to happen? And the mega shark literally jumps out of the water to attack this plane. So the mega shark has to jump up as well. And they literally just cross in front of this, this plane in which these people are like, whoa. <laughs> and this guy's like, I don't care what, uh, you know, the flight plan says, I'm getting out of here. And I'm like, yeah, two giant sharks in the air. I think anybody would just go off grid and get the hell out of there. Don't, don't obey the rules in that situation. But I just love the fact that the shark literally wanted to to take down a plane. Once all of that's done, uh, we kind of get then into our finale. And this is where it's really bizarre in which the mecha shark has for some reason got damaged so much that it's gone into drone mode, which means that it just does its own thing uh, without any pilots. So even though Nero, the AI, has been integrated into this thing, the drone mode has taken over and it will do whatever it wants. And it just basically decides that it wants to attack Sydney Harbour, at which point 
um, is just attacking the city. And then I think maybe the mega shark or something, something makes it damaged. It flies into the Sydney Opera House. Um, this is where we get like the little girl stuff where she's running away. We even get like an Iron Man 2 saw moment where the little girl like holds up her hand at the mecha shark to like communicate with her or something. I don't know. So then Jack has to come in and save this little girl from the shark eating it. Uh, it then goes into its amphibious mode where wheels come out of the mecha shark and it just starts driving around uh, Sydney just tearing shit up for no reason because it's on drone mode and Nero is being disabled or something. So then it turns out they need to get the mega shark to like destroy the mega shark. So what was used originally as a weapon to stop the mega shark now needs to be stopped itself by the enemy it was originally pursuing. I'm like, okay, right? Pretty much that's it. And then we just go to like, a knockoff Paramore song for the rest of the credits. And then at the end, Jack takes a smoke and his wife goes, oh, Jack. And then that's it. And like before in the film, she was like, stop smoking, Jack. You said you had given up. And even Nero was just like, Jack, are you taking a puff of a cigarette? And he's like, no. And at some point they even link it into like the death of his child because like Rosie's also previously an alcoholic which is even weirder then at the end of the film. They're kind of like, oh, Jack, you know, you've gone back to your vice. Like, what do you like? <laughs> so, How much did Mega Shark and Mecha Shark actually fight? Very little. It's more just Mega Shark. It's more Mega Shark, Mecha Shark chasing Mega Shark. It's not actually at any point do they really scuffle. It's more just she sends a torpedo at it and the mega shark flips it away. And a bunch of times they keep hitting civilian ships and she goes like, oh no, I'm responsible for the death of all those people. And the, the husband's just literally like, get it together, Rosie. We need to stop the shark. She's like, you're right. And then they just carry on. And I'm like, what the hell? You just killed like hundreds of people and you just shrunk it off like it's nothing. Uh, and it just keeps happening like that. Throughout the film, they also keep cutting back to this expert who's just like a blonde woman. The only way I can describe it is, imagine if Kaylee Cuoco, who's Penny in The Big Bang Theory, played a scientist in like a big action blockbuster and was just Kaylee Cuoco throughout the entire film. So they just have her keep ringing the Admiral, being like around like loads of like blackboards who write in and test tubes and stuff. But she's there in like this really like tight-fitting black dress and like, you know, curled hair, blonde and everything. And she's like, "Uh, Admiral, you want to like make sure that uh, you do this because I've been tracking the shark. And at one point then, they actually have the line. Let me get this right. Oh, yeah. So what you're telling me is we have a 200-foot horny shark on our hands. And she's like, yeah, you need to find him a mate. Which leads to nothing because that's what they think that the solution might be is that the shark is horny and is going back to Sydney because apparently that's when loads of megalodons nested years and years ago. So he's going there to go find himself a female mate and then doesn't, and then just decides to attack the mecha shark because it's also an alpha male, so he's going to attack him, which he does, and then he blows them both up. Surely the solution, therefore, would be to make mecha shark into, like, a sexy... I was shark. thinking like, that. lipstick. And fill it with TNT. Yeah, I was really I was really hoping we would get, like, a little pink bow, <laughs> like you said, like, lipstick. I just find it really concerning that the plan of attack is we need to get this guy laid... We can't get him laid. All right, kill him. It seems like a brutal strategy. That's what I'm like as a wingman. 
<laughs> what you get them late or otherwise just what, or they have you, to die do you just have like a, a japanese like honor system of just like well you failed Ching. if at first you don't succeed then you failed i live my life by these words i did enjoy that again they didn't use this enough uh, when Nero says activating eel skin, which is the mecha shark can like electrify its body. So if the mega shark attacks it, it gets like elect- electrocuted. I was like, that's quite clever, but they just don't use it enough. Or oh, I kind of wanted more aquatic uh, gadgets for this mecha shark. I kind of wanted like, right, launch octopus torpedo, torpedo um, or something like that. I don't think that's how technology works. I don't think you can electrify the skin of a submarine. <laughs> essentially, because <laughs> otherwise everything in the water is just going to be electrocuted, including you. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds this. like it's just one shark destroying everything, and then the robot shark destroys stuff, and then someone destroys them. Yeah. When what you want is for the two of them to actually fight each other, you know, you want to see their strengths and weaknesses, then have them go at it sort of thing. But it sounds like they never really do that. No. It is it is weird. Like I suppose because the other films maybe are like squids and octopuses, there's more reason to do that. But because from the very beginning of the film, they're kind of like, oh, we've designed this to stop this shark. They kind of corner themselves, I think, already by that moment. Because I suppose maybe even in Godzilla films, etc., even though maybe Mecha Godzilla is made as a deterrent to Godzilla there's still usually some nefarious thing or something that happens or somebody's like, oh, I've made this sinister robot or something. So I thought it was going to go down that line. But the fact that the heroes are using the Mecha Shark, then it just leads to this really arbitrary reason as to why the Mecha Shark needs to be evil because it's gone into drone mode. <laughs> like, there doesn't seem to be really any bad blood between the two like char- characters in the title. One's just an animal and the other's a robot. Like, I don't know, it's such a boring scenario. The Mega Shark doesn't even really have a personality, whereas, you know, obviously it's a bit unfair to maybe link it to Jaws, but that is the pinnacle of shark movies, you know, so you feel the character of Jaws throughout that. They're like, oh no, he's done this, he's done that. Whereas again, throughout this entire film, it's just kind of like some destruction has happened, but it's just like a CGI shark is just rammed into something. You don't feel like, oh, it's the Mega Shark. It's just, it's just, again, it's just some generic, shre- uh, you know. Uh, Shrek? That would be bizarre. <laughs> that uh, would be sh- a good fight. Yeah, it's just some gen- generic shark. So, yeah, it's it's a bit weird uh, on that that sense. Uh, I do have to say as well, they literally jump the shark in this film. There's a point in which Jack, uh, Rosie has gone inside the mecha shark to shut it down. And uh, he literally grabs a dirt bike. And I love this moment because the guy who plays Jack looks terrified. He doesn't look like he wants to be on this bike. He's like, I'm coming, Rosie. And I'm like, you don't look comfortable on that bike at all, man. And he literally pops a wheelie on a car and somehow then launches himself all the way over the mecha shark, at which point he then distracts the mecha shark to follow him into the sea. So popping a wheelie somehow launched him all the way over this, you know, 200-foot yeah, mecha shark. You know they put that in on purpose, and they all thought they were really clever yeah. having somebody literally jump the shark. And everyone on the production was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> He's literally jumping the shark. We now go on to Niall, Back into the world of kaiju, 
uh, with Gymira. So, uh, yeah, Niall, remind us of the name of this one. Uh, so the name of the film is... I don't want to use the American name because the Japanese one's even better. The okay. Japanese title is Giant Monster Dogfight. Gamera <laughs> versus Gaios. <laughs> now that is a name. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, before I watched it, I, I'll just quickly talk about it. Uh, I watched the first film just to kind of introduce myself to Gamera so I knew... Why was it important he's fighting Gaios? <laughs> it, it's not important, but I like to know. So uh, the original Gamera, Gamera himself is pretty much a rip-off of Godzilla, who's been the, the cause of a few legal disputes in old Japan. Mm. Uh, he's got two nicknames, or two like titles that I like. Gamera is known as Guardian of the Universe, or his creepy nickname, Friend of All Children. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen both of those. And I was like, what? <laughs> Which does tie into the films quite a bit. Uh, I love Gamera. I find him really cute, despite the fact he has a horrible scream. He kind of screams like a human being, Oh, which is it's kind of unsettling. Gamera is a giant turtle monster. He eats fire and can fly. And Gamera flying is one of the, the most joyous things I've seen on screen in a long time. He tucks his arms, head and tail into the shell and then out of the holes, these jets just ignite and he starts spinning around and flies off like a UFO. Oh my God. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> I was going to say he sounds a bit like Totoro, like you can fly, like the children love him, but then I don't think Totoro flies around like that. Well, he does have a spinning top, so maybe. <laughs> hey, Gamera versus uh, Totoro. That'd be a good movie. <laughs> that would be uh, horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> my childhood. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, one more thing about Gamera, just um, what he does. He also like flails his arms around like an idiot constantly. <laughs> and I just find him extremely likable. And just a, a shout out, I watched both of these on um, Arrow's Amazon Prime channel and the transfers they have of these old films are really beautiful. There's like great texture to them. Sorry, just had to be a bit of a nerd there. Yeah, well, they recently released them on to like Blu-ray and stuff, which is like impressive, which is like, do that for Godzilla. <laughs> it felt like they were kind of trying to compete with uh, Criterion's big Godzilla set, which exactly, is a fun yeah. little thing, because uh, Gamera has never actually gotten to fight Godzilla due to uh, Toei hating Gamera for being mm. such a close ripoff. The closest thing the two ever came to fighting, I learned, was in 1970 at a Japanese convention. It was like some official stage show with two men in rubber suits just hitting each other. It's like, uh, I, t- I think I tried to find a video clip, but sadly it was before uh, handicams. I thought you were going to say then there was at a convention where a guy was walking around as a cosplay of Godzilla and there was a- <laughs> and they just looked at each other and was like... <laughs> Dave, I certainly hope that has happened at a convention <laughs> at one point. Just some guys from Toei walking over to the Godzilla suit being like, you need to take him out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, Gamera versus Gaios begins with, you know, as it happens, volcanoes erupting and a new monster comes out, which is Gaios, who is, he's a bit like Rodan from the Godzilla series. uh, This huge pterodactyl looking guy, except he's he's got a lot of uh, influence from bats as well. He uses sonic beams as his weapon, and he only comes out at night. He's a very good villain, actually. He's They instantly set him up really well as um, showing off his powers compared to Gamera's. So yeah, um, these volcanoes are erupting all over Japan. 
And I was really worried at the start of this film because there seemed to be a lot of drama about roadworks. There's a lot of Japanese people arguing because like, oh, these volcanoes are disrupting our plan to build an expressway. And that luckily isn't a huge focus, but it is. it turns out that's the B-plot that gives the film its kind of human dynamic. They're just like very obsessed with this roadwork. Uh... So yeah, and what's nice is I think in the intro I was complaining because I'd watched Godzilla vs. Kong and the two of them don't meet until the final half hour of that 90-minute movie. Gamera vs. Gaius, they meet 20 minutes in. Beautiful, beautiful. That's how all these things should be planned. And it's great because this film follows like the Rocky Three structure, which is, every, again, more films should, where they meet and uh, Gaius really hurts Gamera. Because his laser beam can cut Gamera's skin. And uh, Gamera almost loses an arm. He's bleeding out everywhere. Uh, then we got a brilliant bit where Gamera pops into his shell and just flies at Gaius. Which just sets up the fact that uh, Gaius's laser beam cannot pierce the shell. Which is important. Because this, is, this all lets you know what their pros and cons are. It's very good, it's very good visual storytelling. Uh, yeah, and then he sets Gaius on fire for a minute, which is always cool, and saves a child from being killed by Gaius, who eats people, which is very inefficient. There's a lot of scenes you see Gaius, who's, I think, 250 feet tall, holding one human in his claw and eating them. And you can't imagine that's getting him very far uh, nutritionally. Like, that's not going to keep him going, right? Oh, it's basically the equivalent of Skittles for a kaiju, I imagine. <laughs> Yeah, but then I wanted to see him pick up multiple people and be like throwing them down like Skittle. Be just like one child. It's not much point. But uh, Gamera, being a friend of all children, saves the little boy. And there's a beautiful scene of Gamera flying through the sky with a child on his back. Oh, there's so <laughs> many great images in this film. Uh, Sounds like never I did story or something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's, so then we. A bit like your film die, we do get a lot of scenes of scientists discussing the monsters, but it's, it's never it's never boring because everything that happens is so mad that them trying to react to these things is actually quite interesting. Even the fake science is very fun, uh, and it's got the problem of children running into these super secret meetings because Aichi, the child who saved earlier, somehow becomes the Gamera expert by virtue of being the only one who seems to pay attention to what's happening in the film. And yeah, with the expressway subplot, there's a nice thing of you see uh, how these giant monsters fighting through Japan is affecting people on a smaller scale. Like there's a bit of like how agriculture is destroyed because Gaius is in the area, so all the cows have run away. So there's a bit of milk politics in there. Uh, people are worried about employment, as you were. No one's ever as worried about dying specifically from monsters as they should be as much as like all the the stuff around it but this is the third Gamera movie so maybe they've just quite used to him just like a a specific siren for like kaiju attack where they're just like oh okay you know yeah (laughs) because in the first film Gamera is a bit like Godzilla he's more of like a straightforward villain though not quite as vindictive maybe he does just want to eat like nuclear power because the first film is very much about the Cold War. There's a lot of uh, discussion of that. And in the end, they solved the problem by having East and West work together, which is all well and good. I, I believe in that, I should say. Um, so yeah, and they, so they figure out with like the kind of bat analogy that Gaius's weakness is light. And that's why he only comes out um, at night. He doesn't come out during the day. 
Uh, oh yeah, sorry. So Gaius and Gamira have another fight after they learn this, where their plan is to try and keep Gaius out until the sun comes up to weaken him. So Gamira comes again. They have the the, the titular giant monster dog fight, but Gaius is flying, and so is Gamira, and it's very excellent. Uh, and yeah, in this fight, Gamira bites off like a few of Gaius's toes, which is so brutal. Like they these films, I think. The Gamera series, from what I can tell, are not afraid to get their hands dirty. A bit more than the Godzilla ones, which are a bit more slap and tickle. I mean, the early Godzilla films are like the equivalent time period. So these toes are... <laughs> it's just a funny sentence to say, sorry. These, toes, yes, these so giant weird. toes are floating in like the Tokyo Harbour. And they're discovered by dock workers in the morning. And they see that when the sun is coming up, the toes are shrinking. They're like, oh, so that is what happens. The sun, it's like reverse Superman. The sun takes away his powers. So if we keep him out long enough, he will also become weaker. So Gamera will have a better chance of fighting him. And so they create synthetic blood to lure Gaius in, because he eats humans, to try and trap him on this giant pole until the sun comes up. And that doesn't work. So instead they realize they've got to... This is when it gets a bit strange, because before this Gamera is always just showing up, and then they have this problem of, oh, we really need Gamera in this specific place, so we need to figure out a way how to call him, pretty much. Like, because they don't have a bat signal for Gamera, but that, they should. So they, they set a giant pyre, They oh sorry, they light up a giant pyre on top of a mountain to get Gamera there. Gaius... Gaius tries to extinguish it with his giant wings, which is cool, because it shows that he's quite intelligent, and he knows that they're pretty much calling his least favourite person to the party. But anyway, Gamera does show up, and there's some glorious, glorious scenes of Gamera, like, absolutely destroying Gaius. And he's somehow learned how to dodge the lasers, including, like, popping his head into his shell when it's about to hit him. (laughs) This is a a 200-foot-tall monster who's fast enough to odd something that's moving at the speed of light <laughs> which is uh which is as martin scorsese would say cinema <laughs> finally um there's a beautiful moment it's like uh gamira's on the ground from that he's like on his last ropes and gaius is charging up a laser to shoot at him then gamira just picks up a boulder and flakes it into his mouth and he's just got a boulder stuck <laughs> in his face <laughs> So then Gamera grabs onto him and flies into the air and drops him into a volcano. And that is how Gamera defeated Gaius. And all the Japanese people watching it say, they literally say something like, yay, now we can finish the expressway. (laughs) After after seeing a giant turtle kill a pterodactyl, they just think about roadworks. There's so many of these giant monsters. It's mundane now, you know. Yeah. Walk around the back, get to work. And Dave, I know you mentioned your credit music. Mine, I learned, Gamera has a theme song sung by children <laughs> describing Gamera. I kind of thought they would. Uh, that's why I mentioned Totoro as well, is the kind of, I was imagining something like that as he's flying around. It's, it's very funny at the end of a 85-minute film to have a song at the end to describe to you who the person was you were just watching for that whole film. Uh, I, think that, I think that's... All I have to say on it, I should just say, like, I love these. I love Gamera. I didn't expect to come onto the show and find true love, but it's happened. <laughs> just going through Tinder and just seeing this giant turtle, <laughs> like, oh, that's a different. Uh, 
It sound, it does sound like there's a lot more going on in your film, though. Like compared, especially to me and Diane, which they're like, right, and this this happens, and some scientists are chasing that, and then that happens. It's that like they're trying. They're like, oh, you know, and this gets some blood. Oh, we can see that this is like reacted yeah. to that, and so it sounds like there's a bit more science, there's a bit more engagement, there's a bit more of a plan and an idea, a bit more reaction, not just just you know everything in the film is reactionary to the things that are happening. It's kind of like progressing its own plot. Yeah, everything is. Well, what's the South Park thing they say in writing? Every everything should be like therefore or mm. but, and not just and now and this and this yeah. and this. There's a cause and effect for like all these fights. Like the only, the only duff bits are like there are some bits of people just talking, uh, just about their own problems. It's like, but where's Gamera? Mm. The whole expressway thing reminds me again of that Godzilla Raids again, which is the sequel to the the original, where that is just like they focus so much on this like fishery, this like mm. uh like factory and like so like the characters of that. And I was like, uh, why are we focusing so much on this? And I was like, okay, I suppose, you know, they kinda want like a down to earth sort of like understandable link, like in a personal relationship for the audience linked to especially in japan because they're like yes you know their transport is a massive thing for them their fisheries uh, so all of that makes sense so i suppose it kind of links into that again with japanese culture like the important aspects of their their culture yeah it's oh, creating um sort of actual peril like something that you might lose you know and also in terms of putting a human story in so that you get the sense of that if the monster runs riot then we will lose something rather than like in the one I watched, if Megagirus runs rampant, then pff, I don't know what's going to happen. He'll probably just fly off into the sea or something. It's not really <laughs> like, I don't care. But in yours, it sounds like the monster's actually going to cause some damage. Yeah, like it's an actual villain kind of thing. It's like... Yeah, because I, I, I realised during it, it's kind of a, a very strange vampire movie because Gaius has all these attributes and he's feeding off people. Whereas I, I'm, Gamera just eats fire, which is fine, you know. He lives by a volcano now. Is he actually, like I said earlier with the Godzilla thing, is it that he's played as a kind of hero? Like everyone's like, please, Gamera, come help us. Or is it that people are like, we need to stop Gamera? You know, is, is it that he's like a, a nuisance? Well, or? well, I should have said, actually, sorry, I, I missed this at the start when the, you see volcanoes erupting at the very beginning. Mm. Uh, these um, Japanese people are watching the volcano and then they go, oh, look, it's Gamera. And he comes <laughs> flying in and it's very much like the start of a Superman movie. Okay, it's like yeah, Superman, so. except uh, Gamera can't stop a volcano. He's just coming there to feed. But they all seem like, especially after the first one where they have a much more antagonistic relationship with him, mm. though he does save children in the first one. I don't know what the reasoning is, why he's so connected to children specifically, but... Mm. Gamera's an alright dude. That's what the impression I've gotten. And I would die for him. He's like the Japanese like Barney, just like a lot more like ferocious looking. <laughs> I, I think that is Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> but like Godzilla, he's also one that has gone on for several generations, isn't it? So whereas this is kind of like 1967, he's like also lapsed into the, the like the nineties and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I believe his last film was two thousand and six which was meant to be a kind of reboot that was critically well-received, but it didn't do well commercially. So I do wonder if these a new MonsterVerse films do well consistently, would they maybe try to finally get Gamera in? Because the problem is Western audiences wouldn't be as familiar with him because mm. his stuff I don't think has been 
localized as much. I think Mystery Science Theater is the most exposure they've gotten. Yeah. But maybe that fan base is big enough. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of want to see it happen now. I've become that person. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Uh, so we now go to the world of horror in terms of Craig, uh, who has, uh, yeah, the, the strange creatures of, uh, was it The Ring and... The Grudge. The Grudge. Yeah, so I full transparency, I have never seen any of the films from either of The Ring or The Grudge uh, series. So I genuinely did not know what to expect. Obviously, I know of like uh, the basic lore of both of those uh, both of those franchises. One is there is a videotape which, if you watch it, you'll die within a couple of days because of a uh, a freaky chick with long black hair. That's all I can describe it as. And the other one is basically your typical: if you enter this haunted house, these this creature will kill you by dragging you into a into a dark space. And there's another creature that like snap your neck for no reason. So two primed horror Japanese characters, and. My big question going into this film was literally, how are they going to make them fight? Uh, so going into uh, so going into the film and actually starting off, I'm as somebody who doesn't like horror, I actually think they did a really good job at establishing this film. Essentially, what it is is the tape has resurfaced uh, because of what I can only describe as the dumbest uh, tech assistant I've ever seen in like a in like a porn shop. Because literally, she was just like, oh yeah, uh, these two people need to buy a, VH, uh, a VHS player uh, in order to to do something with like a wedding video. I think putting it onto DVD or whatever. Uh, I also found this old tape. I watched it. It looked a bit weird. But I just put it in the VHS <laughs> player and sold it to these people. I'm just like, what? What the, what the hell is wrong with you, you moron? <laughs> like, bear in mind as well, part of the thing with like the ring is that once you've watched the film, you then get a phone call with these like really freaky noises. Apparently, she also had that, but shrugged it off. She even says, "Oh, it might be that cursed tape everyone's talking about. I'm probably gonna die soon." And then, and then, and then goes up to the top of like a building and jumps off it. I'm like, "What's wrong with you, you dumb?" Anyway, so these two girls. Uh, one of them ends up watching watching the tape, while the other one managed to like look away in time, so couldn't get the effects of it right, uh, by accident. So the large plot of the beginning of the film is them trying to work out, okay, this is really the cursed tape. How can we stop this from happening, right? And I actually think that they they do a lot of sensible things. They uh, they go and visit this professor who's been talking about Japanese folklore, and he's also obsessed with wanting to meet uh, the creature from the ring, so Sadako. He's literally obsessed to the point that he says, "I we have the original tape. He says, I want to watch the tape. Sorry, you want to watch this video that's going to kill... He's like, it, if it means I meet Sadako, I'm willing to die in two days. Okay. So he tells them to leave the office. He watches the tape. He's freaked out. He gets the phone call. He's freaked out. Like they come back and he's still freaked out, and then he goes, "That was it. That's the original. Oh, that was amazing." I'm like, "Oh, you deserve to die, you moron!" Like, for God's sake. Well, he feels he deserves to die as well, right? <laughs> like, I'm just like, why on earth are you doing it? Like, how are you meant to be like this professor who's like, you know, 
proven the existence of Zagafu, if you know you have now two days to secure your legacy, they end up basically going to a... I don't really know what you... Uh, sort of like a, a channeler, I guess. You know, the people who try to use uh, like the talismans and that sort of those sort of spells to try and exercise people. Um, that doesn't work, and Sadako ends up killing all of the like channelers at this place, leaving just these two girls alive. Well, you'll probably notice throughout all my explanations of this is I haven't mentioned the grudge at all, <laughs> because I figure it's fair to say that that the creature from the from the grudge, Kayako really doesn't factor into this film at all for the vast majority of it. The only time we see them is that a new family end up uh, arriving into this neighborhood and they see some kids outside this haunted house and one of uh, these this group of kids are bullying this one other kid and they force him to go into this house. He does. He, uh, he, freaks, uh, he freaks out because, you know, there are two demonic beings in there. One of them sounds like a cat. The other one that sounds like somebody just like the most ungodly noises I can describe of just like uh, just but like full volume intent. Uh, and it obviously kills all of the children. But bear in mind as well, this kid this kid was also trying to use these demons to kill the bullies. And there's just this weird thing going on with this film where they're just like everyone is just treating these folklores like an absolute joke and even trying to like benefit themselves from it right so you know like there's such a nonchalant nature to it and um it's actually quite refreshing to the point that everyone's just like i i just don't care or i'm i'm positively invested in it. and i was genuinely enjoying the film like going in i didn't think it, it wasn't really a versus film but it was just this world where horror is going on and it was just a weird look at just like I, I, I don't know whether it's just because I've been living in a society where there's been massive overarching threats that people some people just don't seem to have cared about that I seem sort of appealing about this film and the fact that those people then suffer but every it was, and basically it gets to the point where it's close to the, the one girl now getting close to her death date and they read this thing which is, oh, if you pass on the tape to someone else and make them watch it, the curse is then transferred away from you onto them. What if you give me the tape, I then watch it, that basically resets us, we now have two days to think of something? And I was like, okay, this is, I, this is interesting, the ways you're trying to get around this. Here's where things get weird, and like a bad sort of weird. Uh, so the the one girl, Yuri, Yuri's basically our main character, has now watched the film, uh, sorry, the video, and the phone calls come through. Then this guy and his blind psychic assistant 10-year-old girl storm into the room, grab the phone, and smash it on the floor. <laughs> They're based... Yeah, and he's like, a, he's like an advanced channeler who got summoned, apparently, because every now and then he's there going like, He's just casting these weird, like, hand spells just over and over and over again. And basic, and then they're just like, right, we have this grand solution. What we're going to do to get to get rid of Sadako, which means that you can live, we're going to get her to fight Kayako. <laughs> so they literally say, 
so literally these two plots haven't interacted at all in any way until this one random dude in like a long black coat literally goes he literally he literally is the equivalent of somebody just going like I want to make these characters fight because that's the only way in which that happened he's just his grand plan is for some reason he knows where the house where like Kayako is he just knows for some reason he's like okay what we're going to do is you are now afflicted with this curse. We're going to get you to walk into that house where you'll be afflicted by a second curse. <laughs> Hopefully, the two ghosts will fight over who gets to kill you. And hopefully, they'll just kill each other in the process. And, coincidentally, when they go over there to enact the plan... Uh, uh, another girl that we uh, we briefly meet as well uh, in the grudge plot of like the school kids. Her family's just been killed by Kayako, in the sort of like you know dragged into the shadows neck snap approach sort of way. And he's go, this is great. What we'll do is when we get when we send her into the house, we're gonna send you into the house as well, so you can watch the video. So you will also be afflicted by two curses. So hopefully, if they don't fight over her, they'll fight over you as well. God, we need to have a backup just in case. <laughs> At this point, every literally everyone's just watching this video, right? I've watched this video for about about five separate times in this film. At this point, also for some reason, I don't know why, but the first girl, the first girl who dies, uh, I think her name is like Natsumi. Uh, she randomly uploads the VHS onto DVD and then posts the video on YouTube. So now every everyone (laughs) is watching this video and is getting ready to die. And I was just like, why did you upload it to YouTube? She was just like, I like I think it suggested that she's possessed, but nothing. (laughs) And then she decides she decides she's gonna kill herself before um uh Sadako can do it. Unfortunately, the time she chooses to kill herself, Sadako walks in and hangs her. So then we get to we get to like the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, the moment where these two girls are gonna walk into the house of Kayako and watch the ring video. And now we're gonna watch the ghosts fight. Do we actually think we're gonna watch the ghosts fight? Bloody hope so. <laughs> I I just don't know how they would, but okay. <laughs> Like, just, like, cosmic entities or something. Like, here's some darkness thrown at you or something. To be fair, the beginning of the actual fight, the atmosphere, is pretty damn good. Because they do a lot of subversion things with it, right? So they, they're they in this house now. They've just watched the video. Uh, they've just watched the video. Uh, the phone calls just come in, and they answered it. The phone stops ringing, and you don't hear any of the weird atmospheric sounds that everyone else has been hearing. And everyone's like, that's weird that the phone call cut off. Something's going on, which is just like, ooh, conflicts. Here we go. Then uh, Toshi, I think it's Toshi, um, the basically the little cat, blue cat uh, sounding thing, which like serves uh, Kayako, uh, appears in the corner of the room. Sadako comes out of the video drags him in into the video so he's supposedly gone 
Fight one over. <laughs> Fight two, Sadako now arrives, and uh, sorry, um, sorry, Kayako then comes down, and it's like a, a convulging sort of like weirdly moving creature doing like those weird noises I said earlier. Sadako comes out of the video. Kayako grabs it, drags her into the dark. Fight two over. They then both somehow reappear again, at which point Sadako uses her hair to like pierce the eye of Kayako and then blow her up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but still, they're both still alive, so they're doing a couple of things like this to each other. So it's not really fighting, it's just I'm going to do what I would usually do to kill a person just on you. Oh, wait, you're still alive. And then, and then this guy in the black coat, Kaizo, he then rings him saying, my plan has horribly failed. You must get out of there now. I was like, great plan, mate. And then he <laughs> said, don't worry, I've got a backup. His backup plan... Get a third person cursed. <laughs> oh, it's slightly worse than that. He literally, he's, there's this massive well outside of this house. And he goes, I'm really... And he's been putting up, like, uh, posts around it. <laughs> so, like, there's a well which is inhabited by another ghost called Kimiko. And if we curse <laughs> you with that, then Kimiko might come out and fight them. What happens is even dumber. They run out to him and he says, I'm really sorry. One of you is going to have to sacrifice yourselves. Oh, gosh. So, literally, his idea is he's going to get one of them to stand over the well. The idea is the two ghosts will then rush towards the well. The person will go down the well. They will both go down, kill her, but then they'll put like a talisman ceiling thing over the top of the well. Right. So Yuri, uh, the one who is in the uh, the ring storyline, offers to do it uh, because she's quite altruistic. She does. The two ghosts come rushing towards her at the same time. She jumps into the well. They collide into each other and fuse. So now this, <laughs> there's just this massive spiraling mess of hair, hair, <laughs> flesh and blood now coming right down the well towards Yuri. She's about to die. They put this massive, it literally looks like a dream catcher. It looks like a massive dream catcher. And they just put over it. That explodes. So that hasn't worked. Uh, Kaizo then flies off and we never see him again. He's presumed dead. The two ghosts have now merged properly into an actual creature, which literally looks like a horrendous fusion of the two of them, called Sadakayo. Has both the noises of like the screeching from the ring and the groans from the grudge. Lunge at the, the remaining alive characters. Credits. Huh. Again, it sounds like, like we mentioned Digimon earlier. It's like Sadako and Kayako. DNA Digivolve into <laughs> Sadakayako. <laughs> I just imagined a Dragon Dragon Ball Z in the fusion dance. <laughs> 
but it's just a nice ending, really. Quite hopeful, you know. They learn to get on at the end. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think I had the one versus film where literally, because I joked throughout the film, I was just like, I will laugh if it gets to the end of the film, and instead of fighting, they just look at each other. It's like, want to kill these guys together? <laughs> I just high five. They basically do. Does anything come up come of the whole it being on YouTube thing? Does like no? Well, I mean, <laughs> probably. I mean, probably we just never see it. Yeah. Now there's two evil entities killing everyone. Well, you know, you know, you know a third evil entity would be introduced there, which would be YouTube's copyright claim. To <laughs> be like, hey, you can't put that up here. That's from the ring. What I would have thought, what? So the reason I thought they were going to do it is because bear in mind they're going into a part of their plan is they're going to go into a haunted house to watch the video from the ring, right? I thought the reason that they put in a plot line that this video is now on YouTube was not only to sort of increase the tension of we have to destroy this demon, otherwise everyone's going to die, but also have an explainable reason as to how they're going to easily watch the video from the ring in this house. Because mm. I was just like, oh yeah, because otherwise you're going to have to, you're going to have to lug in a massive power supply VHS player and an old TV to watch it on. Yeah. As opposed to just watching it on a mobile phone or a laptop. Like, that's why they did it. Nope. They literally rolled in a massive power <laughs> power supply VHS player and an old TV. If if they did want to do the mobile route, like private that shit, <laughs> you know, like oh whoops, I put it on public. Like damn it. <laughs> you know, but... The thing is, the film had such potential. I just think that they needed to actually bring in a more because I think the idea of somebody being afflicted by two curses and having those demons fight over you know possession of their soul or whatever i think is actually a really interesting concept mm. it's not a concept which is in any way explored in a natural way throughout this film right you could literally have a story where say like a group of friends want to have like you know the most halloweeny experience possible and they do all those things that that loser channeler basically just got them to... also no idea where he found this blind psychic 10 year old girl mm-hmm. and like why and like what they're even doing like it's in, it's said that they're paid to be there, but they're just like, what makes you so like? How? What are you? What <laughs> are you? What are you doing here? So like, I thought, I thought there was a lot of potential to this film, especially once I actually learned what the plot was. Such stupid, mo- just stupidity in in the finale, and just when you actually see the monster as well, like the actual like flesh, sort of chaos version of it, it's just so awful. It's just. But they just, I just don't like horror films, especially when ones that pre- present itself as there, this going to be this sort of like, you know, the versus sort of aspect. I just don't like the idea they built it up like that and it just wasn't a winner. Yeah. I, feel, I just feel a bit robbed. It didn't sound like there was a whole lot of real like fighting between them either. Yeah. It was just they didn't really have a showdown. They were just using their powers. And the fact that we had that in the shark film as well, it kind of just relates back to the, like, if you want these versus fighting films, you do have to go to the kaiju monster stuff. Just people like, at least there are winners in both of those scenarios, you know? So both of the films we mentioned, at least, you know, Godzilla won, you know, that one and Chimera won that one, whereas in the other two. It's like the equivalent of, say, if David and I got in a fight and all it was was just, I slapped him. He went away for like a couple of minutes. He came back, slapped me. I went away. He then came back. <laughs> then like joined hands and punch some other dude <laughs> as soon as lockdown's over we'll make that happen that sounds like an event 
It does sound Craig's description as well, like a mass of hair and everything. That could be our combined version. <laughs> but like, I mean, I'll give it credit that I found a lot of it creepy, and also, I think it was like for. I think as a horror film, it probably was a, a fairly good horror film insofar as it didn't rely on like cheap horror. Like there what there weren't any jump scares. All of it was just genuinely intimidating, which is the sort of horror if I'm ever gonna watch, is what I actually prefer watching. So I think that's why I was able to actually enjoy a lot of this film. It just mm. wasn't a versus film. Interesting. So yeah, we've got to a uh... We delved into some interesting factions of what is a versus film, you know, and like, what do you expect from it? I like it. So it'll be interesting discussing in our section today as we've gone through so many different films, and especially because we've randomly picked all of these films uh, as we discuss them in this week's Movie Vault. No, screw that. It's endgame time. We're in the endgame now. Okay. Welcome to the versus v versus versus special so obviously in the spirit of the type of films that we're talking about today we thought instead of choosing a, uh, a movie for the movie vault to be preserved for all time we should let them fight it out so what's going to happen is we're going to divide ourselves up into brackets and essentially we're going to argue our case for why our film should be in the film vault over the other film that we're arguing against Basically, the winner will be decided. The winner of each uh, argument will be decided by the two, uh, by the two other guests listening. This will be done on the quality of your argumentation alone. So this can't be based on anything you've previously said in the episode. It can't be based on uh, which film you think would be worse than your own. Therefore, you winning the later argument. It needs to be on how well you think they persuade. Uh, they've argued it. Niall just shows a picture of Gamera and we're like, oh, <laughs> Niall gets the point. So what we'll do to decide this is that on my screen, David is in my top left. So David will be one. I'm in the top right. I will be two. Niall, bottom left, is three. Die, bottom right, four. So I'm going to roll a dice to decide who is arguing against who. Are we ready? And like promised, regardless of the quality of the film overall, whoever wins this endgame has their film in the film vault, uh, movie vault. Number four. So, Die, you will be arguing against two, me. Oh, right. So we will have a minute each. Uh, Die, as the guest, you can decide would you like to go first or second? Um, I'll go first, I think. Okay. Uh, David, could you time us? Ready, Die? I'm ready. And go. Right. I'm not going to argue that my film is the best film here. In fact, it might be the worst. What I am going to argue is that without my film, none of your films would exist. This is Godzilla. He is the original versus character. And this movie has all of the Godzilla things in it. You know, it's got a bit of nuclear terror. It's got a bit of uh, slapstick and um, campiness as people in rubber suits punch each other. 
It's got everything. He fires laser beams out of his mouth. He bites off a stinger. He does everything. And so really, for anybody who is going into the film vault to watch a movie, none of them make any sense without having seen Godzilla versus Gurad, whatever his name is, first. So that's why this movie has to go in because yeah, none of the others' is. movies make sense without it. Complete argument yeah. done. <laughs> Three, two, one. Yay. So now uh, on to Craig's argument. So you ready, Craig? Yep, I'm ready. And uh, starting now. So Sadako versus Kayako, I think, deserves a place in the film vault for a couple of reasons. One, I think it is a genuinely good horror film, taking two incredibly strong franchises and managed to merge, in, uh, merge them together in a way which is incredibly compelling. Um, I think whenever you have a versus, I think that often they take characters we don't care about and pit them up against each other. Here you have an entire franchise basically fueling uh, fueling the success of both of these characters, bringing them together. And I think that the ways in which they interact um, are incredibly menacing and have an incredibly powerful horror feeling. Second of all, I think uh, I think that the production's values, being a 2016 film over, say, other films, which might just like not look as good because of the idea of, say, uh, rubber suit feeling, um, necessarily puts it ahead in that regard. And I think there's a degree to which audiences will just get get involved in this and i think it has little setup needed in order for you to enjoy this film and that's time so we've had uh Di and craig's arguments there niall what, what's what's your thoughts it's down to us based based off argument alone i'm gonna have to go with craig uh die it was a gamble saying that your film was the worst here. Worst here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you I may have, have to be honest. I think you may have undersold it a bit in that regard. But um, no, both both very well spoken. But Craig, especially because we know Craig doesn't like horror specifically, it was very well argued. Yeah, I think as well. I appreciated Dai's approach that you couldn't have you couldn't be here without Godzilla. But then it's hard to argue that for a film from like two thousand. So I was a bit like, uh, I don't know. Get away. Nope. <laughs> so yeah. yeah also yeah. the fact that you couldn't remember the name of your film <laughs> such a convoluted name of the film yeah. oh, oh no i get be. it i'd go with craig so in that case uh going through to the next round is sadako versus kayako oh yeah also to reiterate um the two films that go up against each other at the end will have to be different arguments yeah okay so Okay, so now we have Niall versus David. So Niall, as the guest, you get to choose. Would you like to go first or second? I will go second. Okay, so David, are you ready? Yeah. Your time starts now. So we talked a lot about how there are loads of like bad shark movies. And while you could like there's loads out there and, you know, they're all inspired from Jaws. I think obviously if Jaws is there in the movie vault, then you kind of have to reflect like the bad shark movies. And while you could have sequels to Jaws, you also need those like random versus ones. And while there's loads of others that could go in there and like things like Sharknado, I think we should all like agree that fate has chosen this film. We chose it out of like a cup amongst like loads of other versus movies. So fate was on this film 
one side. And, you know, again, we're Mecha Shark. Like, it's literally got two sharks in the title. It's not distracting us about other sea creatures. It's like, no, shark movies are bad. So here's two sharks, but one is slightly different. And it links back to the whole Mega Mecha Godzilla aspect of it. And it's just like the really bad, shoddy aspects of it, the stupid effects, the crappy acting, the stupid storylines. It's just a fun watch, and you need that kind of crappy, shoddy direct-to-DVD film uh, in the movie vault. Okay, wonderful. Niall, are you ready? I am ready. And your time starts now. So kaiju films are the definitive genre for versus films. And yet Godzilla's outings have never been that interesting, really. They've always been rather boring affairs, to be honest. Gamera, however, the unsung hero of Japanese cinema, has come. And it's a perfect introduction seeing him in giant monster dogfight. Because you're introduced not only to him, if you're new to it, but Kaios, who's an excellent villain. And as you see the two of them battle with their own weaknesses, their own strengths, you really get a sense of the scale of this conflict. And in fact, it always reminds you what's at stake in regards to the human characters. This isn't just a versus movie. This is a great movie, full stop. No excuses. No, uh, and a perfect representation of the genre, all things considered. And just a beautiful, beautiful film craftsmanship. Go watch it. Three, two, one. Okay. So those were both the arguments. Dai, what do you think? Well, I appreciate David's argument that fate has chosen this movie. <laughs> um, I think I can I can pick up in David's argument, kind of similar lines to what my argument was, which is admitting that the movie is not actually good, <laughs> but we should probably try to see it anyway. So, yeah, I think Niall's argument stands up because you actually justify the movie as being a genuinely good movie and uh, so yeah I think that one has to hold up because you described it rather than describing a movie that is good only if you like bad movies you've described a movie which is good even if you like good movies so um, yeah I think Niall's argument or Gamera has to go ahead yeah I also just think on very simple terms I think Niall just spent more of his time talking specifically about the film I think what, as, as much as I love set up in arguments um, and I think David did a very good job of sort of premising a lot of what he wanted to talk about mm. when you only have a minute I don't I think you spent too much trying to talk about you know grand terms such as just we could be talking about Jaws or any of the delineations of yeah. Jaws or Sharknado I think you it didn't give you much time to talk about that well I think Niall was able to do it more succinctly and then was able to explain to us in more detail about why specifically um, his his film uh, just had genuinely good quality so I'm voting for Niall so congratulations Niall he's, he's also arguing for a film which actually has the characters verse off I was just like I'm arguing for a film in which they don't even fight what the hell do I have to, to hold on to so again I was like die I was just there with like a thread like I'll just hold on to this so now we come to the final argument Niall versus Craig Again, Niall, as the guest, would you like to go first or second? I think I'll go second just because I just spoke. So it kind of makes sense rather than me like trying to build off what I just said. Okay, no worries. So you ready, Craig? I'll try to be. And go. Sadako versus Kayako deserves to go in the movie vault. 
I think what it is able to do in, term, uh, in terms of like horror, suspense, and how it actually makes characters fight against each other, but also just a beautiful subversion on, on the uh, versus trope, right? We don't get many versus films where the outcome is literally these two characters who we thought we'd never see like together on screen together actually work together. I think even though there isn't necessarily fighting, I think that what they're able to do in terms of actually making these characters combine together for a greater entity, I think has a, just produces a lot of possibilities for the film. And I think also just how it then leads to the conclusion of that film uh, is even more terrifying than what a fight necessarily would be. So I think that it's taken all of the suspense that what we expected for a fight, but then was able to subvert it to make us even more horrified, I think is something that should be honoured and respected by a position in the movie vault. Perfect timing. <laughs> okay, so Niall, are you ready? Yep. And go. In films, authenticity, there's nothing more important. And in so many of these versus films, what makes these characters special has to be betrayed or ignored just to get the plot going. And I think what's great about Gamera versus Gaius is it's the third film in this series... And so it's not like, oh, we, we have to do this just to make money. It's this was their genuine vision. They came up with an excellent villain who became the arch nemesis of this character and seeing them battle their ups and downs. There's beautiful rhythm. There's a great pacing. And you never feel like this is a last ditch effort. This is just a, a useless idea they have to make. This is a great movie, a great sequel to the original as well. And genuinely, uh, genuinely, um, a great battle which not many of these can say normally the battle is the the most disappointing part because that's what you paid to see and usually it doesn't live up to it here it's everything just on time as well so down to me and die then is it? <laughs> oh I, 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 yeah, I really, I don't know. They both brought up some great points. I liked Craig's angle with like, you know, bringing them together. I thought that, you know, obviously he had a tough fight on his hands considering at the start of it, especially in the the, fir the first argument, I was kind of like, well, this is tough because Craig's already admitted that they don't fight. Um, but then sort of used that to his advantage in quite an effective way. But I also liked the, you know, Niall used it in the sense of, you know, these f characters do fight and it's a really good fight. So, yeah. Craig really cleverly kind of brings up that it's a subverted concept and that's yeah. really great. And he very eloquently argued that, but then Niall was able to argue his movie didn't need to subvert anything because it's just good as it is. Mm. Um, and for me, his description, and this is kind of what I wanted in out of all these movies really is when he mentioned that how um, the fight is the central core of the movie that all the action relates to the fight and the, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of the characters. And that is the core to all action going through. That's one thing that in really, from the sound of it, none of our, the rest of the movies do. I know in my movie, the fight was just a coincidental bit of, tacked on toward the end. The plot mm. had nothing to do with it. And in your one, the fight, they didn't even fight. And Craig's one, they seem to be fighting one ghost and then there just happens to be another ghost. <laughs> and so the way that you know craig you described the film conjures the idea that most of the movie has nothing to do with the versus aspect and then at the end they subvert the aspect that they didn't really deal with before whereas with the gamma movie the whole thing is purely focused 
and laser sharply about that battle between the two characters. Um, and I think that makes it sound like a more successful versus movie. Yeah, like I said, it comes down. I think it does come down a lot to the argument, doesn't it? Because knowing what the films are about is definitely like Gamera is the stronger one there. But then I don't know if Nal came in a bit late with that kind of the fight was really good aspect. I liked how you brought up like the villain, but then saw saying about the third film, I was like, uh, I don't know where this is going. So I was like, does it really like give them more creative liberty being at the third part of a franchise? I would think that that would mean they would be more tied to like money and that kind of stuff. I'd imagine that the first film would be more creative free. So I don't know if he brought in the fight element of it a bit too late into the argument. That's that's my only worry. So yeah, you, you would go with Niall, you would say, and say, well, yeah, I think so. I think he described a movie that is better or more. Or he described a movie that is a purer, more quality version of a versus movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you got up a good point. I think Niall, at, at the end of the day, even though Craig sort of sold the idea of the film, I don't think he saw sold it as like, this is the film. This is what this film is about. It just kind of talked about like, oh, isn't this film clever? Whereas Niall sort of said like, this is why this film is so famous and brought up like, you know, like you said, oh, I want to go see that. Whereas, you know, the Sadako and Kayako was more sort of painted as, oh, isn't it interesting that it subverts it? Whereas, yeah, I think like you said, Niall sort of brought up the fact of like, this is why it's a quintessential versus film. Yeah, uh, Craig argued that his movie had a really good twist at the end, whereas Niall argued that his movie didn't need a really good twist because it was good all the way through. Yeah, well, also, and he just argued for the entire film, basically. So, like, it's not so much like with Craig, it's like, oh, yeah, the end's really good, whereas, like, Niall was saying that the entire film is good. So, yeah, I, I'm willing to go with uh, Niall because, you know, it's, yeah, it just feels fitting, and I, I think he argued well for it. Passion came and through. Gamera is an amazing monster. <laughs> yeah. well. He's a giant tortoise who flies <laughs> and jetpacks out of here. He's amazing. So at the end of that, the the winner of the end game is Nile. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. That was that was a good fight. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, thank you very much. Now please tell the audience which the name of the film going into the movie vault this week. Film going into the movie vault this week is Giant Monster Dogfight. Gamera <laughs> versus Gyres. I saw as well on Wiki, it says, giant monster mid-air battle, Gamera versus Gaios. <laughs> like, I love how, like, just, you know, to the point that is, is like, they have a fight in the air. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was, I was half tempted in one of my arguments to just say the name of the title again and let, mm. like, 55 seconds pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Niall, for sort of arguing for that so well. We've all had fun versus off, you know, like versing against each other to argue the points for all of our films and digging deep into what they are all about. Thank you uh, both Niall and Dai for joining us. Uh, obviously, we're talking about this because uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is out in America at the moment where people can watch it on HBO Max. Uh, we are yet to get a UK uh, release date for it yet possibly by the time this episode comes out there might be something but who knows so uh guys where are you going to be go fighting people where can we catch you who are you going to be uh, <laughs> versing on your on your online matches niall uh where, where can we catch you uh yeah you can catch me on twitter at niall the glen uh contrary to what you just said i don't fight many people on twitter i can't stay away from there hey hey you were banned for a reason now i know i know <laughs> i was banned i was banned for um promoting uh the podcast me and dave are on the monday lorians 
a Star Wars discussion show that hopefully will be making a return in the near future. So I'm very excited for that. You can find my writings on festjhub.com. I've got a few um, a few WandaVision reviews for the last ones I did. So if you want to catch up with our coverage of that before the finale, did... oh, well, no, it's already aired, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not good with time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> hey, go, go read them anyway. They're all great. <laughs> and I'm doing some game reviews for Game Air, the Irish game site. Then we'll hopefully have a new one up this week. Awesome. And uh, die, you're going to be fighting off Moby Dick. Apparently, <laughs> going to be whale hunting. Is that what um, the kids as call soon it? As no. That was mentioned. It's all I can think about, and I've been subtly looking up different movies about Moby Dick while everyone else was talking. <laughs> so, if you want to find me, find a book of Moby Dick, and I'm, I'll be near it. Yeah, <laughs> you've transitioned from like King Arthur to like Moby Dick. It seems like quite a, a natural progression. So, yeah, uh, we look forward to like hearing what you'll find findings are on on that one do you think you'll be going back to the godzilla franchise or are you sort of godzilla'd out from i'm certainly godzilla'd out for now and i haven't <laughs> been that intrigued to see much more of it to be honest if uh die sees a uh, a dragonfly flying around <laughs> he's gonna get vietnam flashbacks I'm gonna fight stinger off. <laughs> uh anything lastly from yourself great we've been talking a lot about versus films and obviously we have a lot of versus films coming up and uh, I just want to give uh, advice to anyone writing a versus film. Uh, I believe a wise philosopher once said in one of my favorite films from a couple of years ago, let them fight. <laughs> Indeed. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like you said, hope, will, will there be winners in all of these versus ones? We don't know. It's interesting that so many films end without a winner. Um, or they just both die or something like that. So, yeah, tell us at home your favorite versus movies. Uh, are there any, like, good ones? Obviously, we've come up with uh, Guy Mira versus Gaios today. Um, you know, it's a fun time to be going back and looking through those old kaiju films. Uh, a lot of them, as Niall said earlier, you can catch on, like, Arrow and the Criterion Collection. I have a lot of the old fashioned ones and uh yeah make a bigger petition to get some of the newer godzilla films on there because uh for some reason a lot of the 90s stuff is really hard to find in the uk so yeah bring them over here uh you can catch us as well at uh, freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies which is our website and you can also catch us on the old socials wellgoodmovies on twitter instagram and facebook so please give us a like a share a review it all helps us out and please don't go you know versing us with any other podcast you know i'm sure that you know we could do that in the future but uh for now you know let's let's all play nice this you know so uh, thank you once again for joining us today, guys. And uh, yeah, go check out Guy Mira versus Gaios and any of the other films we mentioned today, which you think sound interesting. If you do want to go watch Mega Shark versus Mega Shark, be my guest. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. Hi. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye.